I appreciate Jeff and reading the, the verses for from Titus, uh, chapter 2, where we find Paul writing, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live sober, soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Here we find where Paul writes and says that grace, the grace of God saves men. Well, then we can ask, well, how does it save men? Well, in the next little part of it, it says that it teaches. Well, how, what does it teach? Well, it teaches two different things. And once again, just pulling it straight out of uh, verse 12 there. It says that it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, but it also teaches us to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Tonight, I wanted to wanted us to talk about living righteously. Although righteousness can only truly come from God. The Lord is righteous, and he loves righteousness, as the psalmist puts in Psalms 11 and verse 7. Justice also comes from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4, Moses writes, and it is the... I'm sorry. He is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice god of a god of truth and without injustice righteous and upright is he but all, although these things come from god justice and righteousness is practice from us toward our fellow man so to be righteous is to have the right attitude toward others. If we are going to be righteous, then we must be righteous toward our brethren. For we must love them. As 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17 says, love the brotherhood. And we must love them enough to tell them the truth even when they don't want to hear. And sometimes that truth can hurt us both as we're telling others, as we're loving the brotherhood. As in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 8, here Paul writing to the the, the church of Corinth says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. And it, it continues on, and it says, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but 
but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world world produces death. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in the in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you provide you provided yourselves to be clear in this matter. So it hurt Paul to have to write because of the problem that that was going on there. And it had hurt them if they had gotten the letter because of the problems that was presented. But as Paul clearly points out, that that, 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 uh, that hurt had led to godly sorrow. But as we think about our, ourselves and how that we are to, to live righteously, we must truly love the brethren. And we must encourage them as well. For Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We must also help them. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, if we are going to be righteous, then we must be righteous towards our brethren. But our brethren is not the only ones that we should be righteous to. For we should also be righteous to our families. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul points out that the, both to the, the husbands and the wives. He tells the wives to submit uh, themselves to their husbands as unto the Lord. So the wives were to submit to the husbands as if they were submitting to the Lord. But then he goes on and talks about how the husbands should love their wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So we are to love our wives. But the family doesn't stop with just our our spouse. It continues on into our our children. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 4, We find where it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with with you, and you may live long on earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So with that thought, how are we to do that? How are we to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? When the Deuteronomy writer, Moses, uh, in in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
had had talked about this. He had talked about how that when we we are to teach our children diligently, we are to talk to them uh, when they rise up. We are to talk to them when we are along the way. We are to talk to them while they are uh, lying down. And and how that we should put these or, or put them in front of them uh, in, in their eyes or in their minds so that they can they can continue to dwell on these things. And that is how we are to teach our children these things. And just in case you were wondering, we're also, the, the family continues on out beyond that as far as uh, the, the parents and children, but the children should uh, be righteous against each other. And you know, I, we just started the book of Genesis in, in Bible class this morning. And like I made mention of this morning, one of the, that's, it's one of my favorite books. And I love Joseph when we talk about the book of Genesis as well. It's towards the end, and as Mike was making, making uh, a reference to this, this evening as well, he says, you know, it'd probably be closer about this time next year before we actually get there, but, but uh, <laughs> because of how, how long the book of Genesis is. But in Genesis chapter 45, we find where Joseph is presenting himself to his brothers. And, man, I tell you, you might think that your brother or sister might really get on your nerves. And you might think that they do some bad things to you. But when you think about what Joseph went through with his brothers and how they treated him, because if you remember, his brothers had taken him when he had come out to check on him in the field and ultimately sold him into slavery, into the Egyptian or, or into the Midianites, which in return sold him in, into Egyptian slavery. And he goes on up, and, and I'm not going to rehash the whole story of Joseph here, but I think we're pretty familiar with what's going on there. And he goes on through and, and continues to to climb and it, uh, as he goes into the slavery portion. Then he gets knocked back down, uh, gets put into prison, and ultimately becomes the second hand uh, to Pharaoh or the right hand man to Pharaoh and in verses 3 and 4 or 3 to 5 in Genesis chapter 45 listen to how Joseph presents himself to his brothers when they come after uh, famine this is the second time they came and Joseph just couldn't help it anymore and he says I am Joseph uh, does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. So they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, I know I didn't get into the whole aspect of, of Joseph here as far as what ought to happen and how he is there secondhand, 
or the second man in charge of, of Egypt. But after all these things that happened to him with his brothers, he still treated them righteously, lived that righteousness, and continued to, to assure them, don't be angry with yourselves. This is a God's plan. So as we remember how that we are to live a righteous life, how that we are to be righteous towards our brethren. We ought to be righteous towards our, our family. But it continues on out from there because we are to be righteous towards our fellow man. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus points out or gives a, a, a great parable, parable of the, uh, uh, of the Good Samaritan. And he points out very clearly who our neighbor would be, who our fellow man is, and how that we should treat them, how that we should care for them. We're also told in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 that we are to bless those, or to pray, to love our enemies, and to bless those who curse you, to do good to those who hate you, and to pray for those who spitefully spitefully use you and persecute you so then as we have opportunity let us do good unto all men especially to those of the household of faith as in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 but fourth we are to live righteous or we must be righteous towards our government Romans chapter 13 says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And then goes on to, to make reference to the fact that if they are in the authority that they are in, it's because God put them there. And that we are uh, to be subject to them. So as we are mindful and how we uh, must be righteous, we need to remember to be righteous towards our brethren. We need to be righteous towards our families, our fellow men, and the government. But if you are not a Christian, then how can you live righteously? Because Christ died for you, died so that you can live righteously. Because, like I said, righteousness comes from God. In First Peter two. In verse 24, says, Who in his own self bear our sins in his body upon the tree, that we, having died unto sins, might live unto righteousness, who, by whose stripes you were healed. For if you are not obedient from the heart to that form of doctrine which Christ has left us, then you can also live righteously. And that form of doctrine is presented in our bulletins, but it's in, in short, it's to hear the word of God, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, 
to repent of your sins, to confess his name, and to be baptized into the watery grave of baptism. So this evening, as we think about these things, and think about Titus 2 and verse 12, where it says that we uh, are to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and how we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. I pray that if we have, if you do have a need this evening, that you'll please come now as we stand and sing the invitation song.